It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest, Chris Ruggiero, is a gentleman who will surprise you. He'll be performing the hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s at the Italian American Club here in Las Vegas, Sunday, April 18th. He'll surprise you because his voice and performance takes you to another time. And while he's old school, he's only 21 years old. For ticket information, go to IACVegas.com. And for everything about Chris Ruggiero, Go to ChrisRuggieroSings.com and you can follow him on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Sings. And Chris, welcome to the show. Hi, Ira. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I haven't forgotten the fact that I'm going to bring up the issue of you in the kitchen, and I'll explain that to our listeners later. <laughs> <laughs> but before any of that, you're 21 years old and the songs you sing are more than twice your age. So what's going on here? Well, you know, that's right. I am 21, and my grandfather is, uh, is part of the reason why I'm singing this music before. I was about 12 years old at the time, and I know this is probably tough for a lot of musicians and singers to imagine, but I hadn't really even noticed music before then. So I was a late uh, bloomer musically. Uh, well, m- my grandfather had a CD playing in his car by a group called Larry Chance and the Earl. They had some big hits in the early 60s. The biggest one was a song called Remember Then. And I was riding in his car one day on a, our way to my Little League baseball game. We were in my hometown. And he was playing the CD in the car. And I heard over the radio, bop, bop, shoo wop wop bop, bop, shoo wop wop boom, 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 boom. And I said, Poppy, what is that? You know, I, and I had never heard that before in my whole life. And he said, oh, that's my pally, Larry Chance. He's singing, that's called doo-wop. And I had never even heard the word doo-wop. So I had no idea what he was talking about. And the song that I heard on the radio was the opening song in the movie The Bronx Tale, except this was a a more sped-up version that Larry Chance and the Earls did. And I went home after my baseball game, and I looked up every song that I could possibly find that had anything to do with doo-wop and 50s and 60s music songs like there's a moon out tonight blue moon could this be magic and just one group after another and i started studying it and downloaded every song and it's kind of strange because people will start singing a song or they'll throw out a song and i'll know the song as if i was born during that era um even songs that i don't know it's it's kind of like i've heard them before and it's interesting that it speaks to you. I know that a lot of people refer to you as an old soul, and it sounds that way because of that connection you made with, in this case, doo-wop, and of course you sing other songs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, but the doo-wop part of it is interesting from, you just did, when you were talking about that just now, Chris, it, you were doing time travel for me, because on the one hand, you're referring to 50s doo-wop, and then you said so I downloaded all I could find, and, and of course, at the time the music was there, originally there was no such thing as the internet or downloading or anything else. So, that's right. Yeah. You I, I, I was, buy the record. 
Yeah, I was even surprised when you mentioned about your grandfather. At least he had a CD player as opposed to an eight-track <laughs> cassette in the car. So it just it strikes yeah, well, me as at, very at funny. This time, at this time, it was probably about 2000 and, and uh, figured 2011, 2012. So they had CDs in the cars. This was during the, the CD period. The eight-track thing was kind of over. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that is pretty, that is pretty cool. And what's funny about it, too, is you decided to make a career out of it. And people, there were, you know, there's, there's plenty of examples of young people singing doo-wop and other songs, uh, other genres of the 50s. But you are really young to be able to do this. And, and by the way, now you're an old man, you're 21. You've been doing this for several years. So it strikes me as clearly you love this music it connects with you at some level at an emotional level and you're able then to communicate that emotional connection to your audiences oh without a doubt i mean when i'm on stage and i look out into the audience and see that twinkle in their eye it it makes me know i took them back to a whole nother place and a different time period And, and that's what i really love you know maybe i took them back to their first kiss or even their wedding day. And like I said, uh, the feeling that I get from that, I really can't even explain. And that's what I, why I love what I do. Do you ever get ribbed by contemporaries? When I say contemporaries, not necessarily performers, but just in your age range. Do you ever get ribbed by people saying, hey, you're corny for doing this? Or well, what's with it? Why are you doing this? Um, no, I have to say, uh, not at all. Uh, my friends, when I was younger in school, I kind of, I didn't fit in at all, to tell you the truth, because kids were listening to uh, Justin Bieber at the time, and the One Direction, and I didn't know what that was. I just didn't particularly like this, and this was probably around middle school. And, and strangely, all because of the music, I didn't fit in at all with anyone, so I really had no friends at all in middle school, and... Uh, because I just, uh, there was no way for me to, to join a conversation. When they were talking about music, I, I didn't like it all. I mean, there was no way for me to kind of butt in. And so, anyway, in high school, I started to have more friends. And uh, they actually realized that a lot of the music that I sing it was some of the greatest music of all time. And now I'll be in the car with my friends and we're going out to dinner. And I'll hear a song come on like, uh, I Only Have Eyes For You by the Flamingos. And I look at them and I say, how, you know, how do you know this song? Where'd you get this from? <laughs> and they saw it in a movie. Right. Or somebody else told them about it. And, and now they're listening to this stuff. And every time I get in the car, it's another song that I never would have thought that they'd know or, or like. And so it's, I love it because it's growing on other people my age. And I have to say, they're really starting to like it more and more and more. Whether it's me that introduces a song to them or movies. Uh, I think slowly but surely, my generation will start to know these songs a bit more. I think also the music th- is timeless, and I think also through commercials as well. There's a lot of commercials that use that kind of music. So yeah, they there's so many commercials. I, I saw one the other day with the song "Can't Take My Eyes Off You" on it by Frankie Valli. These are songs that are timeless. They never ever go out of style. Do you think that your contemporaries, and I use that term again, or and or your friends, now see it as something that they have missed? themselves growing up, and I don't mean the specific song or songs, but more the concept or the emotional connection, because you don't necessarily get that in today's music. You know, uh, to be honest, I don't, I don't think that they know they missed anything. 
They just but like it, in other words. Yeah. Interesting. You know, and unless they had grandparents or parents that showed them the music or they were brought up with the music, I don't think that they know that there was anything to miss when it comes to this classic music. And so that, that's how I really feel about it, I think. The way you internalize it is emotionally, because you have that old soul, whereas your friends and contemporaries, they will enjoy the music when they hear it through either movies or commercials, but they don't necessarily connect the way you do with it. Yeah, well, you know, even though the, the messages in these songs are, are not really dated at all, they're timeless messages, you know, about love, losing love, falling in love, right, being in love, I think... It, it, it might take someone to point out the song and say, look, this is the lyric and this is what they're saying in the song. And when, I, when I've done that with my friends, then they say, oh, I, you know, I see that. And, and they see that it's harder to find that in songs now. And stuff like that is, is pretty hard to find nowadays. But when you do point it out to them, I think then they realize it. But at first, I think when they just hear these songs, they like it because, oh, wow, it's got a really good melody or something like that. Right. It takes, I guess, an, a quote-unquote old soul to really grasp both the music and the lyrics of that particular song or songs and then take it to the next level as opposed to just enjoying the song. Yeah, I, I would say so. What happens after a show, Chris, when you're performing, and you mentioned about the satisfaction and the joy you get from singing in front of an audience that brings them back to a certain period of time or a memory. And after the show, do you get people coming up to you and talking to you and wondering where you've been or where, who are you? You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, well, I'll get so many people come up, up to me after the show and tell me how much it, it meant to them, the show, how certain songs kind of just hit them right in the heart in a certain way. They'll come up to me teary-eyed. And for some people, it's their closest friend or for someone who's lost their husband or, God forbid, their child. And I hear that a lot, that music is their companion. It's their comfort. And uh, it's just always great to hear different stories. And every time it's a new story that maybe I haven't heard before. And the other thing I learned, and it makes me sad, is that so many people over 50 are very self-conscious about the aging process. I know what it feels like to be self-conscious and to not feel confident. For most of my life, I was overweight, severely overweight. You wouldn't know it to look at you today. Uh, no. Well, thankfully, I've kept it off a bit. Uh, but, and I don't want anyone to feel what I felt. So I, I see these comments, especially from the women who think that they're not as beautiful anymore because they got a couple of wrinkles or their hair has gone gray. I suppose because this music makes them look back to their youth, they begin to identify more with their age than who they are inside. So I, I always like to reply to them and say to them that, you know, no matter what age you are, you're never too old to enjoy your life as you would if you didn't know how old you are. And I tell them they're timeless all the time. And I want them to hear that because that's the truth. The truth is not that uh, beautiful image that you see in a magazine or in a movie. That's that's fakery. That's all baloney. The, the pictures we post, and I do it too. Look, uh, we, we take 10 pictures, right? And we only post one where we feel we look perfect. Exactly. But uh, <laughs> that's not reality. And so I want people of that age to stop comparing themselves. It's not healthy and it's not real. 
What's sound, real is who they really are inside. Yeah, you sound you're very grounded in reality. I still use Photoshop, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so no, that that's very that's very that's very insightful that you give them that message. And I wondered their reaction to you though after the show. Do they come up to you besides obviously expressing satisfaction with the performance and what it did for them? Do they also marvel at the fact that you're 21 years old and can communicate that? Yeah, well, they they always say, you know, you're 21. How do you how do you know this? How how do you you know stand on stage and and tell a story when you really haven't lived through much because you're so young, you know? And and I I just tell them, I feel the music, I feel the lyric, and I feel like I'm not um I'm not from this time period. I feel like I was really born in the 50s, and maybe it's from a past life. Um, but people always tell me, please don't ever stop singing the oldies, keep them alive. And, and I promise them that I'll keep singing this music for as long as I possibly can. And after shows, it's it's one of my favorite parts of the night because I get to go out, meet the people, you know, touch their hands, give them a hug. And I love doing that because I'm a real family person. Well, how did you get this insight, though, that you're able to communicate after the show to these people that... They're timeless. The songs are timeless. They shouldn't worry about wrinkles, etc. How did you get that insight at such a young age? Yeah, it's just what I felt, I guess. Um, it's just who I am. It's a part of me. And the fact that you can communicate this to, obviously, people who are many decades older than you, I'm thinking that there's an appreciation by that audience for you, not only for singing the songs, but for communicating that message to them after the show. Well, I always hung out with people at at family gatherings, right? Always with the older people. So when I was a kid and all the kids were running around, we used to have big parties, by the way, at our house during the summer, 4th of July party, 100 people we'd have outside, 150 people. And there'd always be kids there, 50 kids my age, and uh, playing soccer or whatever they were playing. And, and guess what? I, I didn't want anything to do with it. I wasn't in the pool. I wasn't playing with them. I was over at the table with all the aunts and uncles um, playing cards and just listening to all the stories and the music they were playing. And that's how I got a, a, a sense for that, um, that old school mentality, I guess. So, I, that, again, that's why I really, I guess, don't fit in with the younger generation. Fascinating. Let's take a break. My guest, Chris Ruggiero, he'll be performing the hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s at the Italian American Club in Las Vegas, Sunday, April 18th. For ticket information, go to iacvegas.com. And for everything about Chris Ruggiero, you can go to chrisruggierosings.com, and you can follow him on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Ruggiero Sings. And we'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. These days, everyone needs a little help. Even if you're starting to get back on your feet, Three Squares Emergency Food Pantry Partners and mobile food sites are available for anyone who needs a little help. Finding a location near you is easy. Just go to threesquare.org and click Get Help. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Chris Ruggiero. He'll be performing the hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s at the Italian-American Club in Las Vegas, Sunday, April 18th. For ticket information, go to iacvegas.com. 
Chrisrogerosings.com. And for everything about Chris, you can go to ChrisRogeroSings.com and follow him on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter at Sings. And Chris, you're going to be coming out with a CD collection pretty soon, right? Yes, I am. When it came time to, to go back into the studio, I decided to make a double album for a reason. The first CD is a collection of songs that everyone knows, right? And especially for fans of the 50s and 60s rock and roll, these songs are all pretty much as you remember them. So if you love Volade or you love I Only Have Eyes For You and you're somewhat of a purist, I'm singing these recordings exactly, for the most part, like you heard them, like you remember them. However, I, I wanted to kind of close that chapter in my recording career. Even though it's pretty early on in my career, I wanted to close the chapter, like I said, to where I'm simply just covering the artist. And I wanted to be done with the mimicking part of it, I guess you could say, to sound exactly like they used to for the second album. And I, I think it's a natural place to start a career. But it was time for me to move on. So on the second CD in the set, I wanted for people to hear Chris Ruggiero. And I'm sorry for talking about myself in the third person because that's so uh, pretentious. But I wanted for people to hear my voice. And I wanted to tell the stories that these lyricists wrote, not just copy the original record. I wanted to take a song like One by Three Dog Night, and instead of singing it the way Chuck Negron sang it, which was amazing, of course, I wanted to tell the story that Harry Nilsson wrote when he wrote, one is the loneliest number that you'll ever do. I know what it feels like to be lonely. So when I sing it, you'll hear me telling the story of being lonely. And my hope is that when people hear the album or hear me do these songs in concert, they'll say, oh, I've heard that song a hundred times, but I feel like I, I just heard it for the first time. Or I always heard that song, but now I really get it. So that's the second CD in the set. And that's the one that keeps me up at night and gives me the goosebumps when I go into the studio to record it. Well, I think that's a great idea because it's, in essence, your interpretation of the lyrics and the music. And as you say, people may not have heard it that way before, and now they're understanding what it's about. Yeah, and and I think it takes a maybe a certain way of singing it or explaining the song. Um, for instance, before I sing certain songs, I'll tell a little story. And so when the song comes on, I think that story kind of helps put the audience right into that, that frame of mind to get them into it while they're listening to the song. And who's producing the CD? Well, I think that's the best part. Can I give you the long answer about this? Absolutely. Because we I, have the time. Go ahead. Absolutely. I think it's cool in this little Vegas connection. Um, and I've never told the whole story before, actually. My manager who's producing my live show is now the executive producer on the album. And he said to me, I want you to go online and find every video you can, you can possibly get your hands on, on Clint Holmes, live in concert, because that's going to be your stagecraft school. That's who I want you to watch to learn how to deliver a song and how to shine on stage. So for weeks and every spare moment I had, I went on to YouTube School of Stagecraft and I just wanted to watch every video I could possibly find of Clint Holmes. Then uh, one day, my manager FaceTimed me, and he said, Chris, I want you to meet Clint Holmes because he's going to work with you on, uh, from now on. The back of my head just blew off. I was so nervous because the first session, I was in awe of him. 
I had watched so many of his videos before, and uh, he became a real hero of mine. So we fly out to Vegas, and Clint says, meet me at the studio at one. I got a piano player coming. And we sat there with Clint all day, and he was amazingly so generous, and he just kept feeding us ideas for arrangements, and we just kept bouncing ideas off one another. And then we did another session and another, and over the course of two months, we came up with a dozen killer ideas for old songs with a new twist, totally reimagined tunes. We get home to Florida and we've got these great ideas, but, but now what, you know, now what do we do? So my manager, Joe calls me again and says, we're having lunch with Charlie Colello. And I almost, I almost fell off my chair. Now I know for a lot of 21 year olds, their heroes are, you know, like a basketball player or some movie star. My heroes were a little, strange for a guy my age maybe for me it's the guy who did the arrangement on dawn by the four seasons or my eyes adored you by frankie valley a lover's concerto by the toys lightning strikes by lou christie um after the lovin by engelbert humperdinck and that's charlie colello so we asked him if he would take our arrangements our ideas and flesh them out to create the orchestrations the way he did for all those other people and for Sinatra, for Streisand, for Bobby Vinton. And he said yes. So uh, then he heard me sing, and he asked if he could produce the album too, produce my vocals. And uh, he didn't have to ask twice, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of where it all came from, and that's why I'm so excited about it. I'm working with one of my musical heroes, and I, I couldn't be any happier. I couldn't ask for any more. And Clint Holmes, of course, is a Las Vegas legend here and has been for, oh, yeah. for a long, long time. He's been on my show for, can't even count how many times he's been on the show over the years. But yeah, he's a great guy and you, you're in good hands with Clint, no doubt about it. When you're recording, is the album done? In other words, is the recording done and now you're just waiting to release it? Or are you Not still yet, recording? Actually. Okay, okay. So, so we, we recorded our first four on the uh, second album. Okay. So we're doing the, we're doing the next four this week. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll be doing the next four. So there's going to be a total of about 12 songs on it, we think, right now. And uh, so it should be out about summertime. So when it is out, they can find out more information by going to chrisruggerosings.com, right? The website? Yes. Okay, good. Absolutely. Speaking of people that you've met, a lot of people may not know that you appeared on a PBS special and you performed with a group that you revere, which is the Duprees. How did that come about? <laughs> well... You know, it's pretty cool. I got a call from a friend one day, and he said, Chris, you should send in a video to this uh, website online. They're looking for some singers. They, they want to do a show. That, that's all I knew. So I said, okay. So I, I sent the video of me singing, and I don't even recall what song I sang. But I sent in this video, and it was about two days later, I got a call from a, a fellow named T.J. Lubinsky. And... He said, Chris, you know, I want you to come down to Asbury Park, New Jersey, and we want you to sing some songs on the show. Now, I had no idea what was going on, really. Maybe I missed it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention when I was on the phone. I really couldn't tell you. But when I got to the venue on the day of the show, I saw a lot of big rock and roll stars there, like Jay and the Americans and the Drifters. And there were cameras, a lot of cameras. As it turns out, they were filming a PBS special, and I was going to be starring in one of the segments. It was my first time ever on stage with a band, and it was filmed for a national TV special. 
and it was crazy. I think I sang pretty well, but I look back at it now, and if I had known, I, I would have thought more about what I was going to be doing on stage other than sing. As a sure. matter of fact, I, I didn't even know what I was going to be singing at all, actually, until I got there. So the whole thing to me was kind of like a, a bit of a surprise, but, but I love it. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll never forget that day. That was one of the best days of my life. Did you have a chance to rehearse with the group? You know, that's pretty funny. Every single group that went up that night, it, it, so the show was over a course of two days. And over the course of two days, there were so many groups and every group got to rehearse. But of course, with my luck, I was the only person that didn't get a rehearsal because they didn't have time. So we, we didn't even rehearse in the hallway, nothing, unfortunately. But anyway, we were actually one of the only people who didn't have to do a second take. We did it all in one take and we got it pretty good enough on the first take. So I guess we didn't need the rehearsal. What did the guy say to you afterwards? Because I, you were the singer and the other four were backup. And of course, the, the name of the group is well known. So what was their reaction to you before and then after the taping? Uh, well, you know, before we got there and I saw them sitting down, I saw the Dupree's sitting down and I had never met them before. And now, of course, I knew what they looked like because the Dupree's are one of my favorite doo-wop groups of all time. And I have to say, so we got there, I saw them and they were so supportive of me. They were the sweetest, nicest guys you could ever meet. And I was scared to meet them. You know, I figured, well, what if they're not going to be nice? What if they really don't want me singing with them? But they couldn't have been any more generous. They couldn't have been better to me. And we got on the stage. We made some magic. And when we got off, you know, we all gave each other hugs and kisses. And, uh, and it was great. It was a great experience. And you can see that on YouTube for people who want to take a look at that. And Yeah, it's up there. Yeah. Before I let you go on a totally different subject, go, what's, what's the deal with you in the kitchen on YouTube? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Uh, ever since I, I've been, uh, I don't even know what age, I absolutely love to cook. Um, that's, that's, that's how I got so overweight. Um, not a good thing, but, but it's okay. Uh, I've always loved to cook. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of people ask me, Chris, where'd you learn to do that? And my answer always is, I, I really don't know. Certain things that I'll make uh, just come to me out of my head as if I've done it before, and I haven't. So I don't know if it's from a, a past life experience or something, but uh, I do make a lot of homemade pasta from scratch. I make the dough. And that I learned from uh, a couple of years ago. I went over to my friend's house, and her grandmother would come over from Italy every Christmas. Now, she didn't speak a lick of English, this lady. She's 85 years old, and she's still alive today. I'd go over the house around Christmas time, and she'd be making pasta on their kitchen uh, island using a giant wooden dowel. She'd roll out the dough. And I would just sit there for hours and watch her do this. And, and she didn't measure anything. She measured with her hands. Of course. So I, just, I would just watch and watch and watch. And eventually, I kind of got it. I would try it on my own. And it, it took me so many times to learn how to make pasta. But I just, I'm kind of a learner by, um, by watching. So I watched, and that's how I kind of learned to make the pasta. And during lockdown, I knew people were looking for a connection and looking to be entertained online. So I figured, you know what? I'm cooking anyway, and I love cooking. So why don't we make some videos of it and post them? That's so a great people, idea. Uh, yeah, it's a great like idea. It. Yeah. And, and I think it's gone over well. And, and the best part for me about it is when people send me pictures of, of food that I made 
the recipes and and uh, and it looks great and they tell me it came out great so I'm so happy that they could actually follow what I'm doing cuz a lot of these things I don't have recipes for I kind of just it's you know a little bit of this of course a, a pinch of of, a pinch of salt something else here and <laughs> exactly well listen tell your manager Joe that your next stage in your career is when you come out to sing the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you're going to have a kitchen on stage with you, and you're going to cook while you sing. That's, that's the next stage. I'd love to do that. We could feed the whole audience. It yeah. would be the Italian in me. I'd exactly, exactly. Well, I think that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Chris Ruggiero, and he's going to Thank be performing. You so much. Thank you. He'll be performing the hits of the 50s, 60s, and 70s at the Italian American Club here in Las Vegas. Sunday, April 18th. For ticket information, go to IACVegas.com. And for everything about Chris Ruggiero, go to ChrisRuggieroSings.com. And you can follow him on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter at Sings. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Ira. See you next time. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. 